Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the albumreview.net podcast. I'm Greg Potters. Thanks to all you listeners out there for your interaction and feedback. Your feedback is much appreciated and it always helps me to improve. For today, episode 38, I'm coming to you with a broken leg. Yes, I broke my leg last week, but I am still alive and I'm still moving on and I should be uh, recovering soon. I am joined in this episode by singer, songwriter, and incredibly talented musician, Mark C. Daniel. Mark hails out of New York and I discovered him on Instagram recently and was blown away by his guitar playing. Also his songwriting and the range of his singing voice. Guys, I know I use the words blown away a lot in a lot of my podcasts, but I'm genuine every time I say this. It literally gave me goosebumps, and I just had to get Mark on the podcast and share him with you today. Mark is a full-time musician, which is just awesome, and in this episode, we're going to talk about his life growing up in music, his many records and songs you can hear out there, and we'll also talk about the power of positive thinking. You can find Mark's music on YouTube and Spotify by searching for Mark C. Daniel. That's Mark with a K. You can also follow Mark on Instagram at Mark C. Daniel Music and on Facebook at Mark C. Daniel Music. All right, before we kick in, remember, you can read all my reviews and listen to any of my podcast episodes by going to albumreview.net. These episodes can also be heard wherever podcasts are available. Please follow my podcast on your preferred platform so you can get regular updates on new episodes. And also, guys, if you'd be so kind to pop a quick review or rate the podcast, that helps get the needle moving and get the word out there as well. In addition to listening, you can read over 45 written reviews at albumreview.net and pick up some merchandise from your favorite bands, such as trucker hats, t-shirts, several of your favorite albums, home sound systems, and books that I've read and highly recommend. This includes my favorite book, The 4-Hour Workweek, The War of Art, a Stephen Pressfield masterpiece, other books from authors I've had on the show, such as Brian O'Connor, Kyle Hegarty, and Ivan Bodley, to name a few. You can also find several biographies and autobiographies in the bookstore at albumreview.net on artists such as Tom Petty, Motley Crue, Alice in Chains, Metallica, Rush, Pink Floyd, Faith No More, Aerosmith, and many, many others. And new to albumreview.net is the tools and resources page. I'm grateful to have some sponsors on the podcast now. And so in connection to this, I've created the tools and resources page. This is a, a list of the tools and resources that I am recommending to you guys to help achieve your goals, no matter what area it's in. This isn't just one product to one specific goal, but really a library of products to help you. So some of these products do have an affiliate tied to them. Some of these are just helpful articles, books, and information that I wanted to share. So check them out at the tools and resources page and enjoy. Okay, sit forward and don't relax. See how I uh, see how I flipped it there, right? Forward, relax, don't. Here is my interview with Mark C. Daniel. Mark and I go deep discussing his family history, his grandparents surviving Auschwitz Nazi prison camp in 1940s Poland, being the first generation to be born in the U.S., and his journey fulfilling his dream of becoming a professional musician. 
I dig Mark's music and I'm going to continue pumping it out to you listeners. So enjoy. Doing good, buddy. How are you doing, man? Ah, I've had a crazy week. This is definitely the highlight of my week. I um, broke my uh, ankle last Friday. (laughs) Well, like flat out broke it or was it? I'm laughing because I've already been crying all week. So um, I I was, my 25-year-old brain forgot that I was 45 and I climbed a fence to try to get uh, around this parking lot and jumped about eight feet and landed wrong. All it takes, man. I know, right? I don't know. Have you ever had any major injuries of any sort? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, um, so I, I have hurt my ankles in the past uh, right. and I'm a long distance runner. So there's always That's something right. I'm working out. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but, but thankfully nothing that I, that I haven't been able to manage, you know, so like yeah. maybe, uh, piriformis was, was killing me. I think, you know, my knees, one knee or the other knee every now and again, and maybe some hips every now and again. But, uh, right. but you know, it's like that stuff I just managed. So, but you know, I, I yeah. hear that breaking the ankle is a hell of a lot better than spraining it. So, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, so cause yeah, it heals stronger. They just told me this morning, I've got to do surgery. So I'm actually going in next Friday. So oh, damn, um, I'm wishing you a lot of strength, buddy. Hang in Thanks, there. man. Thanks. Yeah, no, I think it'll be you know, it is what it is. But uh, uh, the painful thing, Mark, I had a, a, a buddy of mine who was like, dude, don't climb the fence. Let's just walk around. And I was like, no, 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 no. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. We hadn't had any cocktails yet. We were going to meet some friends. I was like, I don't want to walk all the way around. Um, <laughs> and it was a it was a fence, a type of fence that I've scaled a hundred times. This time it, it kicked my butt. So my wife's been um, huge in like picking up the the slack for me. But I told her, I said, look, I, I want to do this uh, uh, interview on Friday. So um, I'm actually, oh, cool. I'm not down in my studio, but I was able to get all my equipment up up here. So I'm, I'm uh, broadcasting out of my living room uh, or dining room. So nice. it's actually a little bit nicer and sunnier up here too. For the listeners, I, I found, I found you Mark on Instagram several months ago. And I think I mentioned when we had sort of like our our brief a couple weeks ago. I'm a, a fan of classic hard rock music and to my ears. Now, Mark, do you do you typically go like do you sort of advertise yourself as Mark C. Daniel or Mark Daniel or uh, Mark C. Daniel and and um I think the 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 search engines of the world would like that like that yeah. better. Cool. Yeah. Because I mean just nowadays it's so it's it's I mean just names could become so common that you know um, just putting the C right there I think was was probably nice to my to my ears your music Mark it, it exemplifies ripping hard rock this is this is the stuff that I grew up listening to um, this is the stuff that I found on my own before I had older friends uh, or older or other friends who had older siblings who were able to influence me a little bit, you know, they turned me on to things like Simon and Garfunkel, Rush, The Beatles, Pink Floyd, bands like that. But when I put my headphones on and crank your music, Mark, uh, although it's relatively new to me, I just have these feelings like I've been listening to it all my all my life. So um, thanks, man. I mean, it gives you a feeling of comfort 
Um, and, and also inspires you perhaps hopefully to, you know, do whatever about your day, then man, I'm really thankful for that, you know, so that, thank you. There's going to be a lot of that here. So if you want to save your thank yous to the end, <laughs> but I just had a lot of great, <laughs> I, uh, I took the family up to Maine uh, a couple of weeks ago and, um, we were sitting on this back porch and we paint this picture. We were sitting on this back porch, beautiful lake up in Hope, Maine. So kind of close to Bar Harbor, if you're familiar at all with the area up there. And um, just so quiet, you could hear a pin drop. And um, I had my Bluetooth speaker out on the porch and we were overlooking the lake. My wife and I were having a glass of wine and I played her your song, I Farewell. And she dug it. I mean, I dig it along with a bunch of other songs, but I just, it reminds me so much of a lot of the music that I grew up listening to. And, and I'm going to come back to that theme a hundred more times today even though it's new to me, it just reminds me of that. And, and you do so much of this yourself uh, as well. So I wanna dive into some of that. But first off, like, I'm interested to find out a little bit more about like some of your influences. Who were some of your influences growing up? Depends on kind of what period of my life it would be. And um... so like as a kid, like, you know, I for me it was when I was 12, that's really when I knew music was what I wanted to be involved in the rest of my life. What do you think, if you could remember back, like what, what did it for you that sort of made you think like, this is what I want to do? When I was probably like 10, it, it was definitely like the Aussies of the world, if you will, like Ozzy and like, and those bands. And that, that was what was really accessible to me at the time. Yep. And uh, following that, so moving further along, you know, it's, it was maybe what was popular maybe at with the eighties, maybe metal kind of stuff with the pop metal stuff even too. Yeah. Um, I started to get into blues just a little bit then too. And that was a really, that's just a big contrast between the two. And I remember hearing blues for the first time and I was like, Whoa, it was just like, I don't know. It was literally like something I haven't heard before. Cause it was just so organic and there was so much right. air, right. you know, and just, so that really blew me away. So I started to get into that uh, a lot more. And then going starting off high school um i was really getting into classic rock a lot at that point so everything from like santana yes uh started to listen to zeppelin then some proggy stuff too so like other proggy stuff like king crimson maybe too yep. and uh Same. the 90s were just were, were like in full swing at that point meaning like right. the, the grunge bands had already established themselves and i started to really listen to them right and uh but it, it didn't connect for me on the deepest of levels until maybe like 97 or so then it just it was pretty pretty wild when it did because those bands were pretty incredible uh if i had to summarize what my influences i guess would be just through the whole course of everything i'd probably just summarize it to um sting stevie ray vaughn and stone Temple pilots so i kept up with the s's on those and <laughs> i think that those three probably really just kind of summarize where, where my head is really did you ever have any fights in the playground? Uh, either it's either Jimi Hendrix or Stevie Ray Vaughan, because I got into about four of those arguments. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, I didn't, and but you know, they're so different though. Yeah, both guys, so, and uh, so for me, really, there's no battle there, really. And I try not to look at music like that, even though it is, course. it does make an interesting argument. Yeah. After after a few beers with my friend Smoking Joe, right. uh, he's a big Rolling Stones fan. We pretty much kind of get into it with what their best album is and right. it really and then next morning you know sober-minded it's like well geez every album is their best album you know or just about you know so it's um yeah so it's always fun to have that debate i suppose 
I agree with you hundred percent. I like getting into those debates and having those conversations. And part of why I started this, you know, this podcast, and this website is to turn people on to new stuff, whether it be literally new, like just released or stuff that maybe they've never heard of before, but also a little selfishly an opportunity. It's a way for me to learn about new music as well. And again, new music to the world or just, it's been around for 40, 50 years, but I never heard it. So, so no, but I'm, I'm with you and you're right. Stevie and Jimmy are definitely in sort of two different galaxies. Something about Stevie that always, I think if you take the distortion away from Jimmy, he's still one of the greatest, if not the greatest, but there was something about Stevie and the way he played his guitar that just made my jaw drop. I remember watching him on Austin City Limits. They used to randomly air it up in Boston at like three o'clock in the morning. I, I don't know why. And Stevie would come on and just my jaw would drop. So, so many of your influences are pretty much almost to the T exactly what, what mine were and are as well. So cool. I was I was trying to research a little on the internet into your past, but you seem to keep yourself perhaps maybe a little private, which is cool. I can totally respect that. Um, with the exception of the, the videos that you post on Instagram of you playing, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Where, where did you grow up? You're an East Coast guy, right? Yeah, yeah, I, uh, East Coast. Uh, I, I love the East Coast and I love New England. Uh, I really do. So uh, I'm right on the, um, the New England coastline in Connecticut, uh, maybe about an hour away from New York City. Uh, on a good day, taking a train, it's you know it's probably better than driving because sometimes driving in Manhattan can be pretty nuts. Oh yeah. So uh, I, I love that. Uh, it, so New England is, is definitely a special place. Um, I've traveled a ton and just about to start up again soon. Nice. Uh, and um, let's see, I lived in Boston for a while, so I went to Berkeley up there. Yeah. yeah. So. But but New England's definitely my home, and I do love it. I mean, just something about. I mean, the summers could be a little hot, like it is right now, and it's <laughs> right. humid too. But you know, something about having clam chowder in like in October or something—it's just yeah. probably I don't know, one of the coolest things going. I think as far as a feel with the smell and the taste and everything. Yeah, clam chowder and nice Oktoberfest and uh, the smell of fall—it's that's something that New England I think offers over good living, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was your what was your family life like growing up? Did you have any siblings? Yeah, I have uh, an older brother. He, uh, he he's uh, he does like exotic fish. That's like his thing. He's oh, really cool. Into. Oh, nice. And uh, he's into music as well. He turned me on to a lot of music uh, when we were kids growing up. So uh, so that was cool because being that he was older, I was able to kind of funnel. Uh, he's able to funnel the information down. So um, so for that, I'm, I'm forever thankful for that. Um, my mom is well. Everybody's from Poland except myself and my brother. Interesting. So we're first generation born here. Awesome. So so the household was very like it was a it was a Polish household like big right. time, you know. And there's all kinds of like polka would be like on constantly. So nothing made me want to play loud guitar than to hear polka. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to crank it up so bad. Well, which is cool in that it was a really liberal household. Like there was, awesome. you could kind of do whatever you want. So being that it was liberal and we kind of did whatever we wanted, we really didn't uh, go astray in that, you know, we didn't lose ourselves or any values that we had. So, so it was an interesting way of kind of growing up. So um, music was always on and um, 
yeah, you know, lots of love. I'll give it that too, you know? So is it safe to say that your grandparents were probably fairly connected to, you know, the war and all the craziness that went on back then? Yeah. Yeah. My, both my grandparents actually met in, um, in Southern Poland in Auschwitz out of all places and uh, in during World War II. Uh, they were both prisoners uh, of uh, the Nazi army, and they met each other. My grandmother would save a potato that they would give her, and she would uh, give it to my grandfather, you know, secretly across a fence, uh, so that way he would eat. And then when the Russians uh, moved in, the front moved in, uh, they basically got lost, if you will, and were able to communicate to the officers that their train is actually going to Paris. So somehow they got on a train to Paris and they lived in France uh, during the latter years of the war and shortly thereafter. And I remember as a little kid, because my grandmother was a large part of, of raising me. Uh, I remember being a little kid and she would ask me to go out to the mailbox and check for mail. And I'd be like, well, why am I doing that? But she was like, just check for mail, check for mail. So every now and again, I'd show up with an envelope. Hey, is this what you're looking for? And she'd say yes. And of course she'd buy his piece and get really excited. I come to find that those envelopes were actually social security checks from the French government for helping France reconstruct whatever needed to be reconstructed. We all know that France uh, surrendered to not get destroyed, Paris for that matter. Uh, but she was part of of bringing France back after the war. And those are those are social security checks that were coming. And she must have been probably like 70 at this wow. point. And they just kept sending it. So. Uh, hopefully one day I get to find one of those pay stubs, you know, just to see what it looks like. But uh, they met while they were at Auschwitz and then they stuck together and managed to get out together as well and live in Paris or live in France. Yeah, they lived in France. Then they moved back to Poland and uh, they my mom has uh, two sisters. So there's three girls and uh, one boy, one uncle. And uh, my grandfather was a violinist and uh we, we actually have his violin. My mom has his violin at the house and it's wild because uh, when you read the inscription, it's actually, it, it, it was made pre-Russian revolution. So wow, it's totally wild. So, uh, but he, he was, you know, kind of, um, my grandfather was a really chill kind of guy. He would do all kinds of things that normally people wouldn't do. Like he would play with the gypsies, you know, and he was part of an orchestra in Poland as well. So he would always just kind of, you know, do all of these cool, what would be considered left of the dial kind of things right? Uh, that were music based. And, and I think that trickled down a lot down this way. And um, it had to, my, have. it had to have, right? Oh, I mean, totally. My bedtime stories were basically like, uh, war is bad. Here's what we went through in World War II. Uh, humans are, are great. We have a chance. We need to stick together. And there are no differences. Coming from, you know, people that were, uh, you know, from Europe, that especially maybe at that time, perhaps maybe they had to go through a war to become so forward thinking right. about about how we all really do need each other. Right. So, um, so yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And I, and I think of uh, my grandmother, and my grandfather a lot. You know, I do. Because the one trade off in life right now is, is that the wisdom that we acquire through age is not something that we could transfer backwards to our younger selves to be able to engage in a conversation with our loved ones, which are no longer around. Right. So, you know, I'm thankful to be, to, to have some wisdom at this point, but uh, I just, I, there's no way of sharing what you feel with those that have gone. So, 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, you know, and you probably already know this, but you can forward it on to those that you love, friends and family and, you know, kids Best or thing to do. spouse or, I mean, that's, I grew up in a very, I guess, war focused family. Both my grandfathers were uh, in the Air Force. They both flew in World War II, um, but it was, it was a, it was a little bit different. And I think that's sort of what shaped me. And you just explaining this to me has answered like 12 of my other questions that I had just as far as what your, what your life was like growing up. I think mine was supportive, but it was more like, you know, Greg music is something fun to do as a hobby, but you know, you've, you gotta, you know, you, you can't really earn a good day's pay unless, you know, you, uh, you know, are working something backbreaking. And so music was really more of an escape for me. And that's when I think when I was around 12 years old that I really fell in love with music and was like, I want to be in this near it around it, do it for the rest of my life. The fact that you had two grandparents that went through that experience and they were able to share with you their wisdom is incredible and completely priceless and invaluable. If you do nothing more in your life, Mark, which I know won't happen, but if you were to do nothing more, you at least have an opportunity to pass that wisdom along to other people. Cause as I'm sure you can agree that, you know, things are just crazy. I feel like out there in the world right now. And, and we need, we need more people who um, have sort of grown up with that wisdom. Now, God forbid, we don't want to have anybody go through what your grandparents went through, but it sounds like it made them stronger and they made a pact when they either, when they got married or after they got married, like we're going to pass this down to as many generations as possible. And I can see it and feel it and hear it just in your, in your disposition, um, just Thanks, in, in terms of, you know, how you, and it probably, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it probably gave you the motivation to, um, to go after music or maybe it wasn't even a question. You just like one day were like, this is what I want to do. Yeah, it's pretty much what it was. I, I didn't, I, I never thought about, there's two things I never really thought about. I just went for one of them is, is marrying my wife. Just like, that's, awesome. that's it. This is a girl, no second thoughts. And music is, is definitely uh, another one. It was, um, and, you know, and I like to, I like to think of it like this, um, follow your heart and I'm, even if you don't know where it's going to take you is, yeah. is what I kind of tell myself. And because yeah. if you do that, I mean, there are some pains that go along with uh, carrying your heart out on your sleeve, but there's so much beauty in the world. And there's just so much opportunity to go ahead and share that with people. And people actually wanted to share that with you. I, I, I'm fascinated by that. And I love that when people do that, my God, it's like one of the best feelings because you 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 have a special connection at that point um, that it's, you just got to go for it in life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So what are you doing these days to keep yourself busy? Are you just constantly recording and, and playing or, you know, talk to me about sort of somewhat of like what your schedule is like lately? Uh, I, I really love routine. Um, too. Yeah, because you kind of lock it in and then, mm -hmm. you know, by, by the end of a cycle, if you want to call it that or a few weeks or so, you, get you find yourself in a different position, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I was debating on hitting the road this summer and this was probably in about April. I was debating on doing that. And so I probably would have, if had, had I gone that course, I probably would be out there now. Uh, but in April, I was just starting to finish some new songs in the studio uh, in upstate New York with uh, Matt Wagner, mm -hmm. the engineer. And uh, so that stuff started to come in, the masters started to come in like in May. So when I noticed that it's probably a good idea just to kind of be on standby while 
this new material is getting complete, I, I figured that I would literally just lock, well, I don't want to say lock myself in, but uh, just write, just constantly, just that's yeah. it. So uh, that's I, Monday through Saturday is pretty much, um, I'd spend a, a big part of time doing that. So it's run in the morning, you know, um, help people with guitar stuff if they have any questions. You know, I'm, I always like talking about music too. And uh, and then just demo, uh, let my voice warm up. Uh, then it's just, I, I have a, a finished basement. That's that's a new thing, which is cool. So I have a nice like live, live uh, setting down there. So it's more like an acoustic live lounge, but um, yeah. it can get kind of loud down there too. <laughs> so so I, I, I write, then I just go down there and I demo and then repeat the process. And then, so that that's all I've been doing for the past few weeks is just writing and recording and writing and just, so it, it, that's, I think where I need to be right now. And then yeah. potentially in the fall, uh, I'm probably going to take on a few dates, but we're going to see what those are. I'm going to have to kind of be mindful of, of what that's going to entail. So this has been really, Mark, your first, your, excuse me, your, your full, not your first, your full kind of 100% career. Uh, that in teaching music, that's nice. what I do. Nice. nice. That's yeah. it. You know? And uh, so mm. I'm, I am surrounded by music constantly yeah. and, uh, and it's great because uh, there's so many ways of listening to music, so many ways of playing it. it it's, uh, it's crazy. It's like uh, music is like, it just keeps peeling back and there's all this, these layers. I mean, when you find really remarkable artists, it's just that there's just so much there. You can yeah. listen to the song, you can listen to the performance, you can listen to the instrumentation, uh, you can listen to the arrangements, you know, you could rearrange the songs even. Yep. Uh, so it's, uh, I can't get enough of the stuff really. <laughs> I'm, with the, I'm right there with you. Um, what are some of the ways that musicians like yourself, I don't necessarily need to dive into exact details, but I'm always curious, what are some of the ways that musicians can, you know, monetize their music these days? Cause it's, a, a, I think a lot different from 20, 30 years ago. Oh, it totally is. Um, geez, let's see. I mean, if I can give anybody advice, perhaps. Well, I mean, see, here's here's where the interesting thing is, is that we're living in an interesting time right now where there's a lot of confirmation bias for the art, you know? Right. And I'm guilty of it to some degree because art and music is in next nilio. There's There has to be some sort of foundation that brings us to where we are. Right. Uh, there are ways of monetizing a music career that could be on the original level. That could be a little difficult or some folks, I mean, with licensing too, a lot of times, sometimes folks want stuff that already sounds like something. Right. So the individual, whoever's creating the music needs to have an understanding of themselves and try to find a genuine piece about who they are and how to do it because everybody finds the road very differently so right. it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all kind of answer that i've ever seen but uh if your heart's hungry enough and um you have enough time to think your way through that's an important thing i mean i, th I think a lot of times particularly the way the world is structured right now there isn't time to think right, right? that's that's a <laughs> big problem so true could you imagine that? People are like, hey, well, I'm too busy. I can't think about it. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> right, right. Stop and think about it, man. I actually put reminders in my phone 
to, to sit down, uh, you know, 15 minutes after dinner and think about something. Yeah. Um, so think about it. daydream too while you can, you know, <laughs> it's like right. sometimes daydreams come true. I swear they really, it's like a few of them have for me. And I was like, man, I, I did dreamt about that. And that was like, and that actually happened. And that's kind of cool. Cause you know, sometimes we hang our hopes on a daydream and that's a beautiful feeling. Yeah. You should do that, you know, right. Right. And, and a lot of it. So, uh, so really if, if people could stick it out and just stay patient and also caring for themselves, and you gotta, you gotta have some self-care there too. Totally. Uh, then I think that people will find a way to go ahead and try to succeed in whatever endeavors they go for. Yeah. I've been paying quite a bit of attention to you on Instagram and, and, uh, and YouTube just to name two mediums, uh, or platforms. When did you get started with those two platforms and what have they been like in terms of like getting your name out there? I'm pretty sure that in one, for, in one degree or another, it's, um, I, I, it's been positive. I, I know that. So let's talk about the positive thing. Cool. All right. Dean DeLeo from Stone Temple Pilots called me. That's awesome. On the phone. <laughs> That's no <laughs> joke. On a Thursday night after I watched BattleBots. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, so he called me because he saw an Instagram video. Uh, like he's one of my top guys. I absolutely love that dude. Like, yeah, and it's, it's wild because of I, can it. To I can hear it. I can hear it. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of theirs as well. well. And, that, and that's what scares me too. And I'll tell you why is because after I chatted with him, I'm like, Hey, I'm gonna send you some stuff, you know, and, and hopefully you dig it. And after I sent it to him, I was like, I hope that he doesn't hear his influence too much on what I'm doing. Right. Because I mean, it's like, there is only one Dean DeLeo. There's only going to be one Stevie right. Wonder, one Jimi right. Hendrix, you know? Right. right. You know, I, I like to think that when a band like Van Halen was, was getting started, they didn't say, Hey, who do you want to sound like? They right. sound like Van Halen and that's it. Right. 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 You know? So right. going back to like confirmation bias being an issue, sometimes kind of trickling in our minds of like, who are you? Well, how about this? You are you, yeah. that's it. And, and uh, that was a really important conversation I had with them. Not, just because like literally I'm, you know, talking to somebody that I've been admiring for years that's helped right. shape my musical life and identity. But at, at the end of that, it was like, all right, man, here's the thing. Who are you? Right. Who are you? You could love what he's doing and you always will. But there's a certain point where you don't cross over. Right. You know, you have to be yourself entirely. Right. And that could be scary in that because sometimes, you know, if, I'm sure we've all heard our own voices on an answering machine or, you know, whatever voice message, right? Yeah. And you're like, well, dude, who is that? You know? Who is that guy? Yeah, exactly. That happens a lot when you, I think people find their true identity. Sometimes like, yo, dude, is that really me? Yeah. And uh, that's something that, that musicians uh, and any artist, I suppose, has to go through. Yeah. I mean, the more that you get positive reinforcement from, friends and family not enablers positive reinforcement big difference between somebody that's an enabler and somebody that's actually you know hey i, I get you you know or at least i think i get some degree of you right. there's this big difference between those two but you know that's why having fans and, and and genuinely cool people that are into what you do helps that process you know yeah. you know and uh if it's genuine then it's not about ego it's it's about you know it's like we need each other and in this instance I hope that what I'm doing is going to give you some sort of happiness. Right. And in return, perhaps you could reinforce what I'm doing by, by being part of it, you know, right. and that's, that, that's where that circle is complete. This is just another example of somebody who's, I think as talented as you that also has maybe in the past, a little bit of 
a feeling of imposter syndrome. And I really think that that's something that everybody has, you know, you worrying about, oh God, is Dean going to hear his influences in my music? And if anything, you'd think Dean would be, you know, delighted by that or turned on by that. But I mean, I think that imposter syndrome, if you want to call it that, maybe it wasn't that to your, to that extent in your level, but I think we all go through that. And, and I think that gives us a lot more comfort that we can do these things. Um, and we just have to put our, you know, our, our proverbial butt in the seat and, and just work, but know that everybody's, you know, going through those sort of moments of, um, oh God, are they going to like this? Or do I have enough to get here? Or do I have enough to get there? I think that that's an important factor. Berkeley, you were up here in Boston for a little while. What was that experience like? Awesome. I really loved it. It, it was, it was great. It yeah. was so cool because for number one reason, it's because it was really just a, a think tank, you know, right, right. you were just really locked out of everything right. and just able to constantly practice and play. And the people that you're surrounded with were just incredibly bright people. Right. Uh, so a lot of that kind of rubbed off too, you know, their experiences and influences as well. Thankfully, I'm in, I'm still in contact with just about all of my friends that I had up there. In fact, um, a very dear friend of mine plays bass on this stuff, Mark Hickox. Mm -hmm. And he's one of the very first people I met in the first week I was there. And we've been friends ever since. And uh, so uh, uh, it's just great to have him on bass. So, um, so I keep in contact with those folks too. So like with anything that has four walls and a, and a roof, we, you want to take all the positive you can from it without becoming institutionalized though. Totally. When you got there, were you, uh, intimidated at all by some of the other musicians that were there? Oh, totally. And, and I, I probably hit that with maybe a little bit of bravado sure. just on the surface. But right. here's here's what ended up happening, right? And this is something that I I live with to this day in a positive way, is that whenever I got really intimidated or super nervous, especially during like uh, proficiency finals, if you will. I mean, it's basically kind of like there's like three like musician judges professors sitting there and you have to perform a piece and have to do all of that uh, so there there was some heat coming down on you when, when you're about to perform for sure at least it right. felt like it the one place i would go is just further deep into my heart to tr play the music so I, I had said you might not have it all together right now but you can feel and what are you feeling right it's like well i'm feeling scared nervous, intimidated, and that I love this very much and I want to share it. So every note mattered more to me when I did that. And that, mm -hmm. I, that, that I think connected with some folks there. And that's something that maybe perhaps for a couple of years or a few years, I forgot that uh, it kind of dawned on me. I was like, you know, I did really well at that, but what made that work? Well, that made that work. You know, mm -hmm. just surrendering uh, yourself to the music and surrendering those feelings and putting it into the music was probably the best way. And I think music is a, a medium where you can put all of those emotions, ones you understand or don't understand into it, right. and it's going to respond. And then it's going to serve as a messenger to the listeners who will, in a sense, be able to feel that too. There is a, uh, I'll use the term, there's an emotional contagion that's in music that affects all of us. So us artists and musicians, we have to be able to put those feelings in there. Right, that's a great point, yeah. 
Um, I, I asked this next question because when I was a teenager playing bass in my band, I was convinced that the, the moment I finished school, I'd be out on tour opening for Guns N' Roses or Metallica or opening up stadiums for them. Um, when you got out of Berkeley, were you sort of immediately convinced you'd, you'd be on tour opening for like Van Halen, like immediately, or uh, talk to me about your path after school. What happened after that? Well, I was at Berkeley my final semester. I was, I was already taking on some pretty cool shows. And, um, so I would literally catch a train from, um, Boston to New York and just play shows. I bring my guitar and, you know, and, and do that. Uh, I didn't know much about going out on, on extended tours with big apps like a Van Halen or anything, but shortly right after I, I, I opened for Steve I, and that was a nice little validation. That's like awesome. that felt great. And that was intimidating. Like you wouldn't even believe. Well, he's, yeah, he's at a level that, you know, come on. He played with Frank Zappa for crying out loud. So. It's like, he, if you were to ask me, cause I, I was really set on music since I was a really young kid. If you were yeah. to ask me at 13, 14, what I wanted to do, I would say, I want to go to Berkeley. And, and then if, why was the follow-up question? I'd say, well, because of Steve I bottom yeah. line, if I could wow. summarize it. So in high school, there was a whole other set of reasons too to add. Uh, the Steve I too, but um, it's uh so to do that was a pretty pretty big deal, and and uh, it felt that way too, and, and still to this day I feel a responsibility to be able to uh, play not like Steve I because that's just impossible. There's only one Steve I, like there's one <laughs> Dean DeLeo, you know, it's just impossible, you know. Uh, but I have I feel there's a responsibility there that it has to be the best it could be to serve the art and the craft. Yeah. Yeah. Now how did, how did Steve Vai find you or did you find him or was it sort of through like a mutual connection? Uh, it was a, uh, the promoter. I, I reached out to the promoter and I said, Hey man, I'd like to open up for Steve Vai. And then they literally they're like, all right, day or two later. Cool. You're on. I'm like, yeah. oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> so you were literally, literally living out your dream, Mark. Uh, I mean, one of the purposes of having artists like you, like, like Mark C. Daniel on the podcast is to share with the listeners what life is like as a musician and, and what life is like when you just freaking go for it and follow your dream. So Mark is just somebody that I admire tremendously. I, I think I could, I could, lengthen this podcast out to five hours long, but I want to be careful of that. Whenever I, I would come across a coworker at my, you know, somewhat mundane corporate job by the coffee maker, I'd ask him, how's it going? And many times they'd give me the answer, living the dream, Greg. But like, Mark, you're really living the dream. So, so. It comes with crest and troughs always, you know, <laughs> right. but, but the one thing that, that could make it work always is, uh, is positive energy, and that is the truth. Is that once we start that that positive energy going, and we keep ourselves around positive people that have a hungry heart, it's just like it's just you know we, we can move mountains with that kind of energy. So important. You're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head, Mark, for sure. I I had uh, as a twenty something and thirty something, and even to this day, uh, still from time to time, some anxiety about paying bills and. I truly felt like that held me back in my 20s and 30s. I was living in Boston. I was playing gigs as well as an independent musician, getting some attention from club owners. But one day, Mark, I made the decision to go out 
and get a sales job instead of following my dream. Why I still to this day, I talk about it on the podcast a lot. I, I, I think I was scared. I was nervous to be able to do some of the things that I thought were important at the time. And so I just, I, I admire folks like yourself so much and everything that you're telling me so far in the short time we've been talking, it makes perfect sense. I think a lot of it was, obviously you have to have talent, but you had such a great supporting cast behind you that it went all the way back to your grandparents and maybe even further um, that really can, it's just, uh, if, if any people out there who aren't necessarily heavily into music who are listening to this right now, a lot of it is upbringing what can bring you happiness, whether it's, you know, you want to be a dentist or uh, a lawyer or whatever, um, you know, running your own company. And, and I think Mark is a perfect example of that. So, um, all right, let's dive into your music because I, I had to scale it back a little bit uh, because there were just so many songs that I wanted your take on. So I was like, all right, let me, let me narrow it down. But then of course, the other day when you sent me those other two, I was like, oh God, loving those as well, man. So thanks, I, buddy. I mean it. I'm not just, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not just blowing blowing smoke here. So I want the listeners to hear some of it and I'm gonna put this uh, in the final edited version. First song I wanna talk about is Cruel Summer Coming. guitar solo on this is exceptional man um thanks it comes in about two and a half minutes i think into the song just here are my words just in your face rock and roll my only wish is that you made it longer <laughs> um, okay and and uh, so this song it's just so power driven there was a street near where i grew up it was a, a strip of stores and restaurants and car dealerships and whatnot and and like most towns have but in the 80s and 90s there were six or seven record stores that were all about uh, about a quarter of a mile apart from each other and i can remember the excitement driving down there and hitting every store on the way down this is you know we're talking mid late 80s into the early 90s um, because, you know, maybe one, I'd hit every store because, you know, maybe one of them was going to have a different copy of something rare that the other one didn't have. <laughs> cool. Um, but getting to my point, I, I'd be blasting 107.3 WAAF uh, on the radio and the excitement of the next rock band that was coming to town or the next album release would just be in the air. And 
when I listen to your music and I've said it a couple times already and I'm going to probably repeat it, it just triggers these memories for me. You know, I, I, I feel like I'm 16. I'm driving to Strawberries, uh, which was a local record store here in the Boston area for a while to see one of the members of Aerosmith, you know, appearing live in the store and signing autographs and giving away tickets to their next show at Great Woods. You're one of the first musicians that I've listened to where it's you're triggering memories for me from times in my childhood when I'm actually listening to things that, you know, you just wrote within the last two, three, four, five years. So I think that that's really special and just had to share that with you. Thanks, <laughs> um, so absolutely, man. Um, so with Cruel Summer coming, like if, if, if you can talk to me about how did you come up with the, the melody and the lyrics for this track? Um, I remember the summer when I, when I was a, like a kid, well, not even a kid, maybe like a, early teens or so, uh, would always be an interesting time to meet a girl. Uh, just, it seemed like the desire to want to be with a girl uh, was just amplified during totally. the summer. Totally, yes. Right? So uh, I, that's bikinis, really what the song was about. Bikinis that as well, too. Bathing was that? Suits, bathing suits and bikinis definitely help. Yes, uh, well. it's in the air, you know, <laughs> totally. So, um, so the song is about, it's basically having all of these strong feelings about one girl in particular, but uh, not being able to act on and really just kind of suffering through what would be the three months, uh, three hottest months of the year with all of these feelings and, and pent up uh, desire and having to manage that, you know, so that's, uh, it starts off really at the beginning of what the season would be. And it's basically the song uh, kind of tells the story about maybe just going through a, a couple of scenes of what that is, right. but uh, it's unrequited desire. Like Cruel Summer Coming, are some of your other songs, are they based on sort of reality? And the reason I ask that question is, I've interviewed a lot of musicians who they sort of have this formula and they say some songs are based on reality, but others are just a thought that I came up with and I thought it sounded like a cool melody. And although this didn't really happen to me, are are a lot of your songs that you write, do they? Do you have a rule where it's gotta be something that happened to you or will you sort of sit down and kind of write a fic, you know, fictitious story? I really like Charles Bukowski a lot. I, I mean, just yeah. he himself got me into like, heavy reading this goes back a few years but um and I, I love him for a few reasons but primarily the, the one big takeaway well there's two big takeaways but the one that I could focus on at this moment is that there has to be some truth in what the narrative is right so some songs are completely biographical while other songs uh are a narrative but have truth in them there has to be some truth in there somewhere right. uh that that's really what gives it its uh spirit if you will yeah yeah that makes sense was the solo something that you just kind of ripped out in the studio or did you slave over it for a while how did that come about which song the so the solo for oh uh, the solo? summer coming yeah oh uh, i just heard it in my head and played it nice, nice. i was like oh there it is you know <laughs> and I, I remember what i was i i know this right like um i had mickey curry on drums uh on i, I think actually in all the stuff that you listen to and uh he uh, he also plays with brian adams and keith scott right and keith scott's guitar solo for cuts like a knife is like it's gotta be one of my favorites and after i cut the solo for cruel summer coming 
I'm listening back to it, wondering like subconsciously, maybe perhaps what was inspiring us. And somewhere there might be a grain of that Keith Scott solo from Cuts Like a Knife, just just a little bit. Cool. I I wanted to make those notes just big, you know what I mean? And, yeah. But it's a, it is a very different solo because the way that it's actually played and, and all of that is different enough. But so um, I heard it, then I laid it down. Then, you know, that little motif that kind of happens, a little melodic thing. Yeah. I wanted to get weird with it, you know, so I kind of put maybe something like Jimmy Page would do on Wonton Song, you know, yeah. just yeah. chorus the hell out of it and just make it sound weird. Yeah, yeah, that's what I love about it too. Just so many different, you know, I think you could pull in a lot of people who like different genres with, with a song like that. So um, I'm hoping to, that'd be really cool. I, I think so. I'm obsessed with when someone says to me, I don't really like that band. I'm like, okay, personal challenge. So, and then I'll, you know, sort of study that individual for a little while and be like, all right, what do they really like? And then I'll try to find a song that that artist wrote. Wow, um, <laughs> dude, you're awesome. Because that's, that's happened to me before where someone has, said, you know, I know you mentioned you didn't like this. Um, and I think some people that I'm close to, they look at it as, you know, maybe a waste of time. Look, it is what it is. They say they don't like this and that's fine. But I just, I crave turning people on to the same experiences or similar experiences that I had because I want to share that love. I want to share that feeling, that warmth. Another song that I heard, Signs of Life, just the first thing that came to my head and I ran over to my notebook and wrote it down. It cuts your fingers like you're playing catch with Freddy Krueger's knife glove. <laughs> My God, that's hilarious. <laughs> your your guitar just pops, pops you right between the eyes, dude. And and this song is just, it just has so much energy. this song like what what platform do you use to to record is it like pro tools or a different um, uh, a different tool uh you know it's probably i mean it's whatever the industry standard is i said yeah. uh, i mean I, I think the engineers use pro tools or some you know higher version of it right uh and that i mean you when i record stuff and i write stuff i usually just kind of you know demo it out on you know, a phone or an iPod or something. Yeah. So with that one, I just, I remember that particular year, it was a very aggressive song. Like, and, and I, when I wrote it, I wrote it very aggressively too. Uh, it was just catharsis, you know, is what it was. Purely just that.
about your gear. I know we talked a little bit about your, you know, the guitars that you use, but what's your what's your baby? Do you have a, a, a go-to that you usually like to record with? Uh, I think the telly does just about everything, but uh, I have, um, I don't have too much gear, which is, you know, I, I probably should go ahead and get more. I keep saying that, but it's like everything I have is all I need. You like what you um, want, man? Yeah. Yeah, and the people at Dunlop are incredibly kind to me. So if I if I need anything in the way of like pedals or whatever, then they're right there. So I'm forever thankful for that. Uh, you know, I really don't play with too much. Uh, two Strats, uh, Les Paul, mm-hmm. uh, Gibson, I think that's like a 2001. That's an interesting one. It's got three oh. pickups and stuff. So that's, cool. that's got its own thing. Uh, Danny Electro, a few acoustics, two Taylors, a uh, couple yeah. basses too. Taylors are cool. And just when, when, whenever I play, I try to keep it as simple as possible. I, it's, I usually just go through a, a Fender Blues Junior or any Fender amp, and I usually just have two pedals, my wah pedal and a Tube Screamer, and then it's just plug and go. So you're, you, so you're not really that you know pedaled up as much. So a lot of your sound is most of your sound is really, it's really, really raw. You're not hiding behind. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. I know bands like Radiohead, they have a lot of electronics. That's something I picked up as well with your your music. It's 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 really raw. I think you could sit, and I want to jump on this in a minute, but you could sit on a, a stool and play an acoustic guitar and personally for me have the same effect as if you were ripping on your telly or your Strat. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, yeah. it's... uh. With Radiohead, I mean, yeah, what's interesting about them is that, you know, after the bends, I think they started to do, a, like, a lot more pedal work. But when we listen yeah. to the bends, it's like every that's single grunge, song is... That's like, a grunge record, pretty much, right? I mean... That's, it's insanely yeah. great. It just the yeah, songs yeah. are incredible. Right. I, I like to think that songs first, then everything else later. If I do that, then uh, I'm, I, I'm able to share what it is I'm trying to say with somebody in a way that's not too effective. Yeah. And if I'm trying to share something, I want to make it effective, make it abstract. I could also do that too. But at the core, there's that. There has to be a song. All right. Next song I want to talk about is Roll Me Over. This one popped out. I, I put on this song in my car and the damn thing, the song opens your windows and your sunroof and just demands to be played at an 11. Um, I have a, <laughs> a, a Jeep and so I... I love, you know, taking the top down and just driving around and just like I did in high school, blasting music. And so I did that, I think, the day after we had our first call a couple of weeks ago. This song, Roll Me Over, Mark, it gets especially, as I like to call it, interesting and, and twisty um, a- around the two minute mark or the two minute 10 mark, as I, I looked at it deeper, um, as the guitar starts to kind of unwind and the solo just knocks your teeth out. <laughs>
again, just another really solid solo. Do you remember recording that or putting that together? Is that something that you just kind of hit record and went, or did you do you work on those types of solos, or did you work on that one for Roll Me Over? There's always going to be, I think, some level of development after the initial inspiration. Sure. So uh, with that one, I, I'm pretty sure I heard that one in my head too. And then I wanted to give it all kinds of kind of jangly kind of things going along with it. So that solo, I think, has I like, like four word. guitars like happening all at once. Because I have, uh, I did my, my um, Dan Electro, I did that in a Nashville tuning. And then, so I did that, put that through a box. So it's like just chimey on top of chime. Yeah. Uh, then I'm, I know there's a telly on there. Then I think there's another strat on there too. So you have like all of these, like, and I, I may have used, maybe, uh, I, I had one track as an octave, I think as well. So I played like a low octave on it. So, uh, I think that's all happening at the same time there to kind of you know, create this mass. Yeah. In that case, I stumbled across you playing a little going to California on the acoustic. I think it was either on youtube or instagram you don't by any chance have a guitar nearby you might be able to do a little like 20 second tease of that i think so i usually have a guitar around me somewhere like let's see how the hell did i play that yeah there we go <laughs> My guitars are acting crazy right now because of the humidity. The, the weather, I know. Did I get this? There we are. There it is. Unrehearsed. There we go. That's awesome, man. <laughs> I, I saw you play it. It was your Instagram page. I went back and looked at my notes. And I, what I what I like about Instagram is it just kept looping. 
So I think I was like brushing my teeth or something and I just kept it looping for 10 minutes. Uh, and then I went into the kitchen and plugged it into my Bluetooth. And that was literally, it just went, it was like, I don't know, a minute and a half long or something. And then it just looped again and looped again, <laughs> looped again. So nice. it's definitely been the soundtrack in my house for the last couple of weeks. So um, privileged to be part of your life, man. Yeah, Thank man. you. Uh, pleasure's all mine. Hey there, guys. Quick, quick break to talk to you about an online course you can benefit from. This is really exciting for me for the albumreview.net podcast is sponsored by Treehouse. Are you ready to launch your new career in coding? Treehouse has one of the best and most affordable online classrooms for you. At Treehouse, we've rethought the learning process and built a proven system to get you the skills and knowledge you need to achieve your goals. When you're done with a course, you haven't just watched a video, you've learned, practiced, and absorbed a concept. Or choose to build a portfolio, create a network, and land your dream job with our bootcamp style tech degree program. Land a dev job this year. Whatever your goal, we'll get you there. Get 50% off your first month as a podcast listener through our special discount link, teamtreehouse.com forward slash sign up underscore code forward slash podcorn courses. Again, that's teamtreehouse.com forward slash sign up underscore code forward slash podcorn courses. And I'll also put this link in the show notes. Long Way Down, another song that definitely resonates with me. For the listeners, uh, and I'm going to play it in, this, in this, uh, this podcast, Mark sings this heartfelt, emotional song over a thumping bass, almost like uh, Michael Anthony-type bass line. And then mm, yeah, Mark, just like driving eighth notes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and Mark teases you a few times with his, his wah. This might, be, this might be one of my favorites. song like what motivated you to write long way down uh it's uh i really can't wait to play that one live by the way <laughs> it's uh that one's gonna be fun uh well I, I hope they all will be but uh so you know it's um it's about two people that love each other that can't be together and there therein lies the problem they love each other but they can't be together right and uh I've always thought that holding hands was really, really a loving and intimate thing to do. And there's a, there's a lyric in there where it's, uh, you know, 
I think it was maybe we could hold hands while we go down, you know, like that, that still hits me now. just like you know i it's gonna hurt you that we can't be together but i at least want to go ahead and kind of help you but not be as pained about it you know with that one so uh right. yeah that, that one still is one of those songs where it affects me like i like the day i wrote it was like usually things make you uncomfortable if you're on the right track yep. so that one made me you know like whoa hey is, is that all right should yeah. i play it safe and not say that not say it say it just do it yeah, just I, do it i have i have a rule whenever i write and i don't write as much as i did uh, a decade ago but i had and still have a rule that if it if it doesn't like essentially give me goosebumps um then i ditch it i'm saying this because um i relate to you know wh what you were saying how it, you get emotional even today playing it and i think that just uh um, has a huge positive effect uh, as well. But it also brings you back a little bit. You know, I, I know when I'm in a certain mood, I want to hear sometimes 90s alternative. The other night I was in this 80s mood and I was just cranking 80s rock like Talking Heads and a little ZZ Top and, and Dire wow. Straits. And then other times I'm mellow and I want to hear a little Floyd or a little Dylan. But, you know, Mark, like I said earlier, your, your music is, is what I equate kind of home. to me it's reminiscent of my roots because you know the sort of hard rock you know you mentioned ozzy at the beginning of our interview which just made me smile whenever i hear ozzy i'm immediately brought back to you know 30 years ago 35 years ago being a kid but you're also bringing in blues and heavy metal and your voice i want to talk about your voice for a second what kind of work if any some people are just lucky but what kind of work do you do to keep that in shape I try to live healthy. You know, it's, I mean, I love red wine and I love craft beer. Um, Me too. And I drink a ton of coffee too. So it's like. Me too. Oh my God. So, yeah. so along the way, it probably just, there's some drying out going on. <laughs> somewhere. Right, 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 right. But, uh, you know, just follow it up with water and stuff. And um, the running, I know, helps out with, with keeping that in check. Uh, you know, I practice keeping the vocals in check, you know, just you know, running scales. But, uh, I try not to get overly technical about that either because, you know, there has to be an element of kind of um, rock and roll in it, if you want to call it that, you know, yeah. just there has to be a little bit of expressive, uh, expressivism, expressivism, 
expressiveness. That's the word. There we go. There it is. Yeah, it is. So, so um, really, it's it's just singing a, a lot is really going to, is, is the key, I think, is the answer. Just do that a lot. And sometimes it's low register, sometimes it's high. And that's something I have to be aware of because if I spend too much high, like in the high register, too much time in the high register, uh, then uh, A, I, I rob myself of dynamics right. and where I can go with a song. And two, uh, I'm just killing myself, you know? And, right. and there's no point of, I mean, there's a little bit of uh, pain, if you will, that goes along with the art. Hopefully not self-inflicted, but just along with our desire to want to do well should be there. But there's no point of, of just being masochistic about it. Right. Yeah. No, you're so right. Or sadistic. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just singing on a regular basis is really what keeps it in shape. I think it's as easy as that. And I've noticed if I go two weeks without sort of exercising my voice, then, you know, the first couple songs sound pretty, pretty nasty. But you've got this, I mean, you've got this level. Mark just has this range that I don't think is something that a, just a regular musician can can do or have you've got to work at it. and it sounds like you do a little bit of work but a lot of that is just raw talent too so there's a balance in there right right i think it i think it adds to the uniqueness of your music because i don't hear a lot of i hear these days a lot more good musicians that have decent voices and it's rare I mean, they're out there, but it's rare lately where I've heard great musicians with great voices as well. So I think that's kind of what makes you unique. Thanks, um, man. So... If it sounds good, I'm on the right track. If it sounds bad, it needs work. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, Try to live by that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's the only way to do it. I like deadlines. So I knew I had to make decisions before Sorry. I got into the studio. So I, I wrapped them up a couple of weeks even beforehand just, just to... I don't know, maybe perhaps keep the book open on them to see if I can make some adjustments. But now with what I'm writing right now, I don't know when I'm going to record that. I, I think that probably maybe in November I will just to get that stuff done. But then I have this new album right now that I had just finished, which I'm not quite sure when that's going to be released yet. So, uh, you know, just write, 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 perform, yeah. just stay busy with that. And the time will time will tell. Do you typically like to write by yourself uh, or do you like to sit in a room and write with other musicians or is it maybe just a mixture of both? As far as like the song goes, like the actual song, I, I write by myself. It's not to say that I wouldn't write with other people, right. but uh, like, so like a typical day, like today, right? So got up in the morning, went for a run, came back, made some coffee, wrote for about four hours, demoed for, hour and a half, gave my voice a break, got more coffee. <laughs> It'll repeat the process. <laughs> so it's usually kind of how that, how that goes. So it's, uh, so I'm always writing. It's, it's like, it happens. Saturday is probably, well, Sunday is probably the day where maybe, I mean, I think it's like, if, if something comes to me and I have to write it, I write it on Sunday. I yeah. have to excuse myself and, and take care of it. Yeah. But uh, Saturday I, I do as well, but Monday through Friday, it's, it's usually like most of the days, uh, most of the day. So, uh, but then when it comes to actually the arrangement of the songs, uh, I, I'm very fortunate to work with some really, really incredible people. Uh, I want their input on that. I want yeah. their input on what direction the song is going to feel like and what it's going to go right. and how it's going to go. So uh, I have an idea of what it is most of the time of what the feel of the song is going to be as I'm writing it. But I also don't want to rob the creativity of the people that i'm working with so when it comes time for the arrangement sure 
then uh, I, I really want their input. That's why I'm working with them. So, uh, so for example, like that song Lucky One that I sent you, right? Yeah. Uh, I wasn't thinking about the drums coming in on the second verse or the interlude going into the second verse. That was completely and totally Mickey's idea. And when we were jamming on it, I was like, dude, yeah, this is yeah. it. Yeah. You know, so this great. is the, totally it. And then when, when the drums come in, it's that much bigger. Yeah. So that, that was totally him. The song I Farewell, I think I, I told you earlier, that was the one that I played out on my uh, my back porch when I was in Maine. And I'm just listening cool. to it. I, I, I want to go back and change the first song I danced with my wife to at my wedding, man. I want to change it to that. Whoa. <laughs> uh, the, I think this was one of my favorite songs, you know, that you've written, or at least that I've heard so far. She came around midnight her story to sell But my heart was broken So I said farewell I know that I need her Heart sinks like a stone When in this life Walk through some doors alone. So I said farewell. I'm going to trap where the angels fell. So
it felt to me like, and this might not be the right term, but but power ballad. It had a lot of 80s hard rock in it, but with a lot of new blues in it as well. A lot of influences that I could hear from like different decades. I, I hope you don't mind me referring to some of your songs as like tunes of old. I just, I, I, like I said, you know, they, they trigger happy memories for me. And Cool, no, no, hey, no sweat, man. It's organic. So, I mean, if yeah. that means that there's a little bit of decades old i don't know playing i suppose then perhaps maybe that, that does make sense but it's uh yeah so not yeah i'm not bothered by it when i heard your music i was like man i haven't heard a lot of like music that's been released in the last five years that sounds a lot like this now maybe i'm not looking in the right places but there seems to be this formula or at least what i come across or at least what people are approaching me to review on the podcast but it was just refreshing to hear you know you bring back some of the in my opinion, older genres. I Farewell, could you tell me a little bit about, like, what was the impetus behind this track? How did you develop this song? It's leaving, it's really about leaving a situation. Again, mm -hmm. um, lyrically, it gets it gets pretty deep. So, meaning, like, it if I say it's, le it's about leaving a situation or leaving somebody, that that's just a general kind of term right there for for really what the base of the song is but i remember playing the music on my couch on a saturday having a really good beer <laughs> i remember that but i don't remember like lyrically you know what was happening with that i think it, it may have actually been a separate uh poem or story or something that turned into lyrics which i normally just don't write you know, poems and put them into lyrics. Normally it's, I'd go about it a little bit differently. Let's say that I won't or whatever. Maybe it's an idea. I'll try that again. Right. But, um, but I think it came from that. Then I just kind of refined it into the song. I, I feel like you're bringing back a lot of the, the great stuff that I, I definitely miss. You sent me those, those, those two new unreleased songs, Lucky One and Never Enough. Really good, man. So you're just continuing to pump out good stuff. Lucky one really hit me. Uh, I listened to it the other night when you sent it to me and I made a comment on your YouTube channel that, go figure, what did I say? It made me feel like I've been listening to it all my life, even though it was the very first time. When did that song come about? Was that, is that like new, new? Like you just recently wrote it and recorded it or has that yeah. been in your repertoire for a while? Brand new. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, I think that, the completion of it like entirely recording wise that was probably may but it was written in october recorded at the end of october then uh, i did some more recording uh like with the guitars and stuff in november december vocals in february in upstate new york and then uh mixing and mastering brought me to april may yeah, so may okay. Yeah. So that's so that's cool. the, the song is super super new. Not sure when I'm releasing it, but I hope soon. You know, yeah. well, it's kind of sort of out there now, but um, unofficially, though, right? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. So it's no no uh, balloons and parade yet. <laughs> right. No listening party yet at uh, the Beacon Theater, but that's coming up soon, right? Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple of questions, somewhat, well, definitely related, but you know, I'm I'm always interested in your feedback. What do you think about the kind of quote unquote music industry these days? I don't know. I think people are trying to figure it out. Yeah. You know, and then you might find yourself with people that are not as 
caring about certain things and you find other people that really are right you know so it's like i, I think like with anything in life right now uh things are just so up in the air with everything there isn't really necessarily a template for anybody to follow by there's no no rules of engagement if you will that anybody could really follow right uh so everybody's trying to figure it out and it's like thankfully i i've had the best, if you want to call some people that aren't very kind, you know, the best, but I've had the best of both worlds. And I, right. I really, I want to keep it with that positive energy and the positive people. And, and it's a uh, reciprocity is a big thing. You know, it's like energy just creates more energy. You, you want to find that, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so let, let's hope that people figure it out, you know, and it's, and if, if we can all work together in some degree, or be inspired by and appreciate maybe even that, then there's there's a good future ahead. But, you know, we have to see what that is. I just think it's so complex. I mean, I I, I wonder if you ever wake up in the middle of the night wondering, how am I going to get this stuff out there? Like, how am I going to build a base? You know, and this probably is not the best question for you because you've already built a base. But like when you were first starting out, maybe you were using social media as a tool. Did you ever wonder, like, how am I going to get this stuff out there? I mean, because the days of like tape sharing, um, you know, you, you got to do a little bit more these days than just share tapes. It's, it's a really great, great question. Uh, thankfully that doesn't keep me up at night. The creative part does, which I like that too. <laughs> it's good. a, but you know, I like to think of it in terms of, of burritos. If, uh, if I'm making some really good burritos, right. I think that some people might want to find me and check out my burritos. <laughs> right, right. <Love> it. <laughs> or tacos for that matter. <laughs> Have a chimichanga while you're at it. I might be good at those too. Um, you sort of answered this a little bit already, but like, where do you think the music industry is going today? But, you know, rather than getting fed music to us and knowing where to go get it, right, which is sort of the way that, you know, you and I grew up. It's like you go to the record store, you turn on the radio, or you go to your big brother, or you go to your friend's big brother or sister. Today, there's just so much music out there, Mark. Amateur, professional. And I'm always wondering, like, how does one get their music out there and get noticed? Is there anything out there other than YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook? Like, help me understand this. Uh, you know, there's going to be a time where we're going to become desensitized to all of that, you know, and I don't know when that's going to be. Uh, when I think of the future, I, I'm really excited about it. And I'm hoping that it's going to be completely unknown uh, with a little, a little fear, but you know, some excitement. Yeah. Uh, so I'd, I'd rather have a future unknown instead of a past repeated, you know? And sure. so however we get there, that would be really cool. You know, so maybe just taking a leap of faith could be all we need. Oh, well said, man. Now, you were mentioning earlier about playing some shows. Do you have a show coming up uh, in the near future? Not anytime soon. I'll probably find out maybe next month a little bit more. Okay. But uh, when this, when summer started to kick in, I had realized that I don't have to make a decision like that for a while. Yeah. So I was left with, well, what are you going to be doing? uh you know for the next three months and it's like well you're just gonna write and you're right. just gonna write a lot yeah all the time constantly yeah. and that's exactly what i've been doing ever since i started to get my master's in since i was uh since the end of april beginning of may and then i started to get the master's in at, at the end of may but uh my active part of 
of the mixing and the mastering process is, you know, uh, that, that pretty much wrapped up at the end of April. Right. So, uh, so since May, it's like, that's it. You know, I'm, and I'm happily doing that because I really need to be the best songwriter I can be. So that way I could uh, then be the best guitar player I can be on the songs and give those that I work with the best songs to play on. And then, of course, when it comes to the music industry, folks, give them the best songs that I possibly could, too. Yeah. So so that has to be there, you know, and uh, it feels good. You know, I'm balancing it out nicely. Because there's a lot of like uh, intense think tank pressure cooker kind of stuff going on, you know. It's like, sure. and I do it, and I'm isolated a lot doing it because I do it by myself. Uh, but the balance is really good, and I think I had to go through a few years where the balance was completely out of whack right. to go ahead and figure out how to set it, it to a, a place where it's manageable. You'll have to keep me posted so that I can only not only personally stay aware, but I think that there's going to be a lot more people after this airs uh, Thanks, man. that are going to want to know that as well. So yeah, just a lot of the people that I communicate with, I think your music's going to resonate a lot with them as well. This question's a little cheesy, but I, I, I'm, I ask it a little bit selfishly because I'm, I'm constantly looking for inspiration. Just in general, what inspires you on a regular basis? Well, it has to be, there has to be emotion uh, in, in what we do. If there's emotion in what we do, genuine emotion, could be any kind, then then I'm in. I, I would like to see what, what's going on. And, and not in a judgmental, let's see what's going on. I just want to be part of experiencing what that is. Yeah. And uh, I might feel love from it, or I might feel terribly uncomfortable from it, or fearful from it, but if that's there, if, the, if genuine human emotion is there, then that's the answer. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Have you come across anybody who's sort of looked up to you as a as a mentor and said, "Mark, I, I just don't know, man. I've been I've been doing this for twenty years, and it's just not going anywhere." You know, have you have you been in those conversations? And maybe you've been on the other side of that, but you know, have you been in those conversations? And if so, like, what have what have they been like? What have you said? Well, you know, we all need each other, and that's a big point right there. Uh, so by helping somebody, you end up helping yourself. Right. Uh, there are no contingencies or should not be any contingencies on commitments. Uh, if you really put your heart into something, you have to do it no matter what. Right. Anything else that you want to add? Dan Dimas High School Football Rules. <laughs> 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 I love the uh, when uh, when the dad is looking at the mom and like he looks at Bill and Ted and they're basically like yeah you go to the store here's some money take off and, and then <laughs> they go down the hall and they're like, now your dad's going for it in your own room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. oh, uh, I love great. that movie. Uh, I constantly do movie references and in many ways, Mark, that's how I actually speak to friends of mine. That's sort of the goal of the whole thing is like I'm gonna be in a room and nobody's going to laugh, but there's going to be one person that laughs their ass off. And then I'll be like, all right, they, they get it. They get it. Starts there, man. <laughs> Do you have a new record or album uh, that, that you're planning to release in the near future? Not sure of the date. Uh, more than enough material for an album. Yeah. Uh, it would, you know, thankfully more to keep coming, but yeah. not sure, not sure how it's going to be released. You know, I think that that is in large part going to be determined in the future with 
you, you know, the folks coming into the picture and, you know, some sticking around, maybe, hopefully that would be nice to see. And um, so we'll go from there, you know? And so it, the future is just, it's the undiscovered country, you know? And, and I, and I plan on, on sailing to that and seeing what that looks like instead of having a set fixed idea of what it needs to be. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. For some of the listeners who don't already know, they haven't already heard me say it. Like, tell us where we can go to find your music. Uh, Spotify. Spotify is cool. Or if you just Google my name, just, you know, I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, join me on Instagram. If you could too, I try to have some fun on there too. Good time. You definitely do. I strongly, sorry to cut you off cause I want you to continue, but I love Mark's Instagram page. He puts a lot of thought and detail into it. And you know, I just started on Instagram about a year ago and I look at Mark's examples sometimes and want to sort of mimic that, but in a relation to what I do. For those of you, if you want to get a little bit of a start, you can go to Spotify, but I would recommend going to Mark's Instagram page, and that's at Mark C. Daniel Music, correct? That's right, yeah. yeah Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Mark, thanks so much, man. Thanks for joining me here and talking about your journey as a musician. Dude, and, my uh, pleasure, man. You know, I consider you a friend now, so you know, don't mind if I do. And I look forward to staying in touch with you. And I really appreciate you taking time to, to chat with me today, man. It just, it feels good to go ahead and talk about these things and be able to share them. So I really appreciate your time. I'm sure you, you got a lot of things to do and I admire your passion. Like I was saying earlier, it is a little selfish because I, I love just being around positive people like yourself. And, and another thing that you've proven again today is almost every artist or musician that I've talked to you guys all have men and women have this amazing positive attitude and so for anyone listening out there that is wondering or doubting themselves like mark is a perfect example he has the talent there too but the positive attitude can only you know it just it takes you so much farther than you can imagine so uh, i definitely consider you a friend as well i feel like we've got a lot of connections even before i reached out to you i was like everything i'm seeing on this guy i feel like i've known this dude all my life so i love it yeah so well i wish you the best of luck definitely we'll keep in touch and um let me know when you do decide to do some shows. You've definitely, um, you know, just made this such an enjoyable uh, experience. And I, I'd like to, if you, if you are, you know, if you do put music out there for purchase in the future, please let me know because I definitely like to, you know, um, help guide listeners towards that. As Thank well. you. I will gladly send you a copy if, uh, whenever I get anything physical. That's on me, my friend. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. All right, man. Well, good luck the rest of the day. Thanks. Um, next time we talk, I want to get some. Uh, I want to get some uh, referrals on different wines and coffees that you like. One hundred percent Syrah Cote de Rhone. Okay. All right. Cool. The grape is Syrah. Oh, the French. Yeah. 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 So yeah, exactly. Yeah, Southern France. Uh, Vinsobres, which is you know right around the same region, yep. uh, Southern France. But uh, any combination, mostly Syrah. So like sixty percent Syrah, forty percent Grenache. I think we're in good shape. Awesome. I had one that was 100% Syrah the other day. It's like a $21 bottle, which which That's is not, not bad. bad at all. No, oh, no. It was so good, though. Really? Yeah. And I mean, for, for it being 100% Syrah, too, normally those bottles go for a lot more. But this one was just incredible. I went to a wine tasting event in Boston a couple months ago, and I asked the guy, like, what do you think is the best bang for your buck? He said, Greg, I think Rioja is something if you haven't ever checked out. That's a, a Spanish out. one, right? The Spanish. And he said... Yeah. He said the value is so incredible and I think it's just so much under the radar, at least in 
the Northeast where, you know, most people, I mean, you go to a, you go to a store and it's, it's mostly, um, you know, it's mostly California, Oregon's, you know, uh, having a bit of a, a surge or has been for the last couple of years. I know I'm kind of in my Oregon phase right now. I just, my wife and I just went to the Willamette Valley a couple months ago, totally because we were wine geeks. We wanted to go there and check it awesome. out. Awesome. Um, but I also went on a little Seattle pilgrimage. Yeah, life is um, good, man, right? Yeah, life is great. Um, well, awesome. Mark, thanks again, man. Great to talk to you. My uh, pleasure, Greg, buddy. Cheers to you. In touch. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to the albumreview.net podcast. I hope you enjoyed this interview with singer, songwriter, and ripping guitar player, Mark C. Daniel. You can find Mark's music on YouTube and Spotify by searching for Mark C. Daniel. You can also follow Mark on Instagram at Mark C. Daniel Music. That's Mark with a K. And on Facebook at Mark C. Daniel Music. Remember, if you're interested in any of the albums I've discussed in this episode or previous episodes, go to albumreview.net and pick up a copy of your own. Listen to all my podcast album reviews at albumreview.net by clicking on the podcast tab. They can also be heard wherever podcasts are available. Please follow the show on your preferred platform, guys, so you can get regular updates on new episodes. And also, if you would be so kind as to pop a quick review or rate the podcast, that helps move the needle and get the word out there. I do want to hear from you, so please email me your feedback, album review requests, and any questions you may have to gpotters at albumreview.net. That's G-P-O-T-T-E-R-S at albumreview.net. Thank you so much for all the incoming messages, and I promise you guys I will get back to each and every one of you, or as many as I can. If you'd like to get regular updates on reviews, interviews, products, and music news, go to the homepage and join the mailing list. Stay tuned for updates on Instagram and Facebook. You can find me at albumreviewnet and just keep refreshing your podcast. Yeah, here it goes. Just read and listen. All right, that's it for me. Thanks again, guys. Keep listening, keep reading, and keep learning. Enjoy your summer. trip down by the highway take a 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 trip down by